The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a pop-up. First base side foul ground playable. Santana makes the catch. The Indians have won the American League pennant. UltimateSportsTalk.com now presents the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. A comprehensive look at the Cleveland Indians and Cincinnati Reds. For the seventh consecutive season, we examine each team and their progress throughout the 2017 Major League Baseball season. And now, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. And good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I am Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight for our regular get-together on Monday evenings to talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And after the first week of the 2017 Major League Baseball season, it has been quite a week for the Cincinnati Reds. They have jumped out to a 4-2 and record, not quite as good as what they did last year in the first six games when they went 5-1. and Nonetheless, this is a start that really nobody expected except for Maybe the Reds front office and the ball players that don the Cincinnati Reds uniforms. Meanwhile, it's been a tough start, a rocky start for the Cleveland Indians. They started out 3-0 and by winning their opening three games in Texas against the Rangers. And then they dropped back and went to Arizona and ended up losing three in a row to the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks just got outstanding pitching as the Indians pretty much weren't able to hit with runners in scoring position. They were 4 of 26 with RISP, I should say, runners in scoring position on the weekend in Arizona. And tomorrow, since the Indians have the night off tonight, tomorrow night, the Indians will be opening up at home against the Chicago White Sox. Should be a very entertaining ball game tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock. The Indians will be raising the American League Championship pennant to the crowd at Progressive Field, and that will be happening tomorrow afternoon. And if you're one of the lucky people that can pick up Sports Time Ohio, well, you'll be able to watch that tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock. Meanwhile, the Reds tonight are continuing their winning ways, and what a job by Brian Finnegan and Michael Lorenzen in the opening game of a three-game set in Pittsburgh for the Reds against the Pirates. Right now, the Reds are winning that ball game 5-1 to one in Pittsburgh against the Pirates, and they're doing it basically on the strength of their pitching, which is what has been their formula all season long so far throughout the first week. And in case you're wondering where my cohorted crime is tonight, Mark Donahue, well, he is located down somewhere in Fort Myers, Florida, on a business trip, he is going to join us here, hopefully, in just a little bit here on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Nonetheless, like we said, it has been an outstanding job by the Reds. Let's talk about them a little bit on tonight's show as we open up this evening's show. Let's talk about what the Reds starters have done. They have been outstanding, with the exception of one outing by Bronson Arroyo, and I'm going to get into that here in just a little bit, where I think Bronson Arroyo should be given a few more starts just to get his arm back in shape. But it's been the starting pitching that has held this team together. Feldman pitched the opening game and again on yesterday. Didn't do such a bad job on opening day against the Phillies, and then yesterday ended up throwing a shutout against the St. Louis Cardinals as the Reds won two out of three in St. Louis. And then Brian Finnegan. Now, Finnegan had to leave the ball game tonight in the fourth inning, but he told a very good game in the second game of the year against the Philadelphia Phillies and brought the Reds back and even their record at 1-1 one and one with a victory in that ball game. Tonight, he had a 5 to nothing lead, looked virtually unhittable throughout the first three innings, and then came the fourth inning, and he got himself in trouble by walking a couple of guys, and the bases were loaded. But Michael Lorenzen came out of the bullpen with nobody down in the bottom of the fifth inning and the bases loaded and didn't allow a run to score. So as we are in the fifth inning of play, the Reds right now 
are leading it by a score of five to one, and it looks like it may be six to one now because one of the Reds, you Suarez, just hit a home run to left field, and the Reds have gotten that run back, and the solo shot has given the Reds a six to one lead over the Pirates, as we said in the opening game of that three-game set in Pittsburgh. But it's been the starting pitching. I mean, the Reds' bats have been going well throughout the first six games of the regular season and now into the seventh game tonight in Pittsburgh. But nonetheless, it has been the starting pitching that has really been a surprise for this ball club. When you look back and you see what the pitching staff did a year ago, basically their bullpen was just adding fuel to the fire whenever they brought somebody in. They could bring in J.J. Hoover, and he was just unbelievably bad for Brian Price and the rest of the Reds. But that being said, this bullpen and this starting staff has done an outstanding job for this Cincinnati Reds team. The only bad outing that they have had out of the bullpen has been the effort that Robert Stevenson gave the team on Saturday in that game against St. Louis in which they lost that ball game. He came in in relief, and basically Brian Price just left Stevenson in to go ahead and mop up the game because he knew it was over. But when you look at what's going on with this team, boy, it has been the pitching. Pitching, pitching, and more pitching for this team. Let's take a look right now at the pitching stats so far. They have got two pitchers right now with an ERA of 0.00. But Scott Feldman, well, he's done an outstanding job. Right now he's leading the team in strikeouts with 12. Rossiel Iglesias has got two saves. Brian Finnegan coming into tonight's game had a .29 whip, and Mark understands that a lot better than I do, but you fantasy baseball fans, you understand what that number means. As far as the Reds' innings pitched, Scott Feldman now has 10.2 innings pitched, and it has just been an outstanding job by this Reds team as far as everything is concerned. But Brian Finnegan and Amir Garrett. Boy, what a story Amir Garrett has been. College basketball player turned Major League Baseball pitcher, finally getting his opportunity to start for the Reds this year, and he turned in just a sterling effort on Friday night against the St. Louis Cardinals, won his debut as a Major League pitcher, and carried on. But this team really has got a dilemma, if you look at it. Let's forget about the pitching right now. They made an outstanding pickup during spring training when Milwaukee let their starting second baseman for the last four or five seasons, Scooter Jeanette, go. And Scooter Jeanette has been an outstanding ball player for the Milwaukee Brewers. Why the Brewers ever gave up on Jeanette, I'll never know. But with Jeanette coming to the Reds, the Reds picked him up right away. With him coming to the Reds, that opens up a very interesting possibility for Dick Williams, the general manager, and Brian Price, the manager of the Reds. Because if they can sneak Jeanette in to become the everyday second baseman and move Suarez over to, or I should say Perlaza, Peraza over to shortstop and keep Suarez at third for the time being, that opens up the possibility of trading Zach Cozart to maybe the New York Yankees or another team that is desperate for a shortstop here in the early part of the 2017 season. Now, do the Reds really want to get rid of Zach Cozart? Probably not. Cozart's probably one of the guys that they would like to keep on this team along with Joey Votto. But, you know, as you've heard Mark say, and hopefully we'll have Mark on the show coming up here in just a little bit as he's down in Fort Myers, as we said, one of the things about it is is that if you look at the trade bait that the Reds have, if they're really going to sell out to this rebuilding situation that they've got, they have got two prime targets in Zach Cozart and Joey Votto. And one of the things, boy, Joey Votto could probably bring a ton in return, especially going to 
an American League ball club where he could DH every once in a while. But as far as Zach Cozart, it's not every day that you find a good-hitting defensive shortstop, and that's exactly what the New York Yankees would love to have right now. Wouldn't it be ironic if the Yankees would end up both with D.D. Gregorius and Zach Cozart because the Reds had both of those players several years ago? It's a possibility because the Yankees, with Gregorius out for the year, they're really looking at trying to turn that shortstop position around, and they have been sniffing around the Reds and Zach Cozart now for a few weeks, and that's one of the prime possibilities that the Yankees have been looking at bringing in Zach Cozart. But it all depends upon what Zach or what Scooter Jeanette is going to do if they decide to give him the second base job. If Jeanette has already done an outstanding job in the early part of the season for the Reds, but if they decide to give him that second base position, that could open up a lot of possibilities for the Reds as far as what they decide to do with Zach Cozart. Well, now, better late than never, let's go down into, as we said, Mark Donahue is down in Florida on a business trip, and he has managed to make it back to his hotel room, hopefully, and and uh, is now coming in on the phone line. Mark, good evening. How are you tonight? Well, Dave, uh, I'm down in Florida, and I think the, the – I don't know if you can hear me okay. Uh, you're kind of broken up, uh, but uh, can you hear me all right? Yeah, we're fine. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't hear what you said as the intro, but uh, I am down in Florida, and uh, uh, before we get started talking about the Reds and the Indians, uh, I want to thank my – the reason I'm late tonight, I have a very good excuse, Dave. You can't find me. Because uh, I, I had dinner with uh, Tom and Ellen Giffen, who run the Roy Hobbs baseball uh, tournament down here in Fort Myers, and we are working with them on some pretty exciting things. And if you recall, a couple of weeks ago, I had mentioned the tournament down here that they put on in the fall, and also one they put on in February, uh, Senior Adult League uh, Baseball. And uh, so we, it's a little premature right now, but we're working on some exciting things with them. And uh, they were kind enough to take me to a great Italian restaurant here tonight. So I apologize to our millions of fans and to you, Dave, for being late. But uh, I think when we announce what we're working on, uh, everybody will understand. Well, as we get back into talking about the Reds and the Indians, as I was talking about prior to you coming on, Mark, is the fact that Scooter Jeanette, who was picked up by the Reds in spring training, could really throw some great possibilities for the Reds' front office into probabilities if he could take over the second base position and play it as capably as he did with the Milwaukee Brewers because that would allow the Reds to move Peraza to shortstop, which is actually his natural position, and it would open up the possibility of trading Zach Cozart away. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. And, you know, fortunately for the Reds, I, and I don't know what the Reds are doing yet tonight. But, well, they're up um, right now 6-1 to one over the Pirates. Well, Cozart's off to a great start. And uh, the rumor I heard among many was that Zach Cozart may be going to the Yankees. And I don't know what they have in return. Uh, it seems to me that their their farm system isn't what it used to be. But, um, you know, the Reds are trying to shed salary and play young players, and uh, they're off to a great start. And it, it's certainly helpful that Cozart uh, is off to probably one of the best starts on the team. So um, you're right. I mean, Cozart could end up somewhere else, and that would be in keeping with the, the current strategy for the Reds. Mark, I started off the show by talking about the Reds starting pitching, and and, you know, when you look at this start that the Reds have had, they're 4-2. That's just a game behind where they were last year after the first six games when they started out 5-1. and one. But it's almost night and day, Mark, the way that these two teams have played because last year the team wasn't getting the kind of pitching on a 5-1 and one start that this year's team has been getting in a 4-2 and two start. Really, the, the Reds' only bad outing as far as pitching is concerned was Saturday with Bronson Arroyo and Robert Stevenson out of the bullpen. 
Yeah, they've thrown three shutouts uh, to lead the league already in that category, and who knows if they're going to get another one the rest of the year. But, uh, you know, this team, all you can say is this team is better than last year. Now, does that mean they're going to win 80 or, or 85 or 90 games? I doubt it. But I think with the Cardinals being down this year, and I mentioned that last week in our, our prediction show, I think the Cardinals are down this year. And I think the Reds have a chance to be better. Uh, and, you know, the Cubs obviously should win the division handily. But I, I'm not so sure the Reds are a distant, in a distant position from, say, Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh might be a couple games, three games better this year. But uh, the Reds have some good young talent. And you never know with young talent. It could, it could be a flash in the pan and it goes away before it's realized. Or they can continue to improve. And uh, as you know, David, with the Indians, <laughs> pitching is the key. And last year the Reds had a historically bad bullpen. And this year, they don't. They've got a pretty good bullpen. So who knows what's going to happen this year? Yeah, absolutely. As far as, Mark, a lot of the radio stations down here were talking about the fans basically have just given up on Arroyo so far. Now, I'm one, you know, this guy's been out of baseball for two years. He's been nursing arm injuries since the 2014 season. Mark, one start in, in a regular season game. He went four and a third innings in that game. You know, I, I think you've got to give him more than four and a third innings to decide whether or not he's the type of guy you're going to keep on your staff. Well, I disagree with that. I, I wouldn't have started. I wouldn't have signed Bronson and Royal. Uh, they have they have some young pitchers that you can build on. What if Bronson and Royal has a decent year? And decent for Bronson might be eight and eight or eight and ten. I mean, he's not. He's not going to be your future, no matter what he does this year. I would have rather had them put one of their younger guys in the starting rotation because I don't think Bronson brings anything to the table. I mean, you have guys in AA who are probably better pitchers right now than Bronson Arroyo. I like Bronson Arroyo, but he's 40 years old, and you're building a young team. I don't see – I couldn't understand that signing because even even at his best – Bronson Arroyo led the league in home runs. I mean, I, I know, gave up a lot of solo home runs, but he's a very hittable pitcher when he's healthy and young. He's not all that healthy, and he's certainly not all that young. I, I, I didn't see the, the reason for that signing. Well, the one thing that you've always said is, and you used it to argue the fact about Chris Bryant not coming up immediately with the Cubs when he should have, You've used it with me as far as Francisco Lindor is the fact that the clock begins when you bring up a youngster from the minor league level. And the fact is, is that if you bring up one of your AAA or even your AA pitchers, Mark, that clock starts. And maybe that's the reason that they wanted Arroyo. To me, if you're going to use that argument, I think it, it plays in, in well with the fact that Bronson Arroyo, I, I think you've got to give him more than just one start. Well, again, if, if you're going to bring him into the rotation, you're doing so as an innings eater. Okay, that's the only reason you would bring him in. He, he's not he's not a strikeout pitcher. He, he can't give you five strong innings and then leave. What I think he does is weaken your bullpen, which is exactly what happened Saturday. You know, he was out of there what in the fourth inning, and I saw a clip of that game. It looked like he was throwing 83, 84 miles an hour. And I don't care how good your control is, you're not going to get major league hitters out throwing at that speed. So how many – let me ask you this, Dave. What happens if the Reds win the next three or four games and they start off 7-2 and two or 8-2, and two, something like that? Do you, do you risk bringing him back and ruining that, that momentum? Because yeah, I think, I, you I think you've got to stay with him. All right. Well, I, we, we can I, agree I, to disagree, yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, but that brings us to the point of Michael Lorenzen. You know, Michael Lorenzen came into tonight's ball game. Finnegan pitched a, an outstanding three innings tonight. Looked really good, just like he did on the second game of the year against the Phillies. And then just basically imploded. He had a 5 nothing lead. 
left with the bases loaded and up 5-1. to one. Michael Lorenzen came in out of the bullpen, Mark, this evening and got the next three batters out, didn't give up a run, and then Suarez hit a home run to make it 6-1. to one. That's where we sit right now. But Lorenzen has looked lights out in his two innings plus out of the bullpen. If he continues what he has done, do you keep him as a reliever, or do you take a chance on putting him back into the rotation? I'll tell you, that, that's a tough call. I saw Lorenzen, uh, I don't know if you've followed his career much, but when he first came up, he was he was a strong guy, kind of lean. I'll tell you what, he looks like the Hulk right now. Uh, that guy looks like he could throw a, a you know a tennis ball through a brick wall. Uh, he was still a 98-99 the other day. I don't know what he saw in the night. But uh, it would be very tempting for me to put him in the rotation. But do you risk injury? And that that's the thing. He has not fared well as a starter because of, of injury. But right now, uh, he and, and Rocio Iglesias, I mean, they've been lights out of that bullpen. And what you just said tonight, again, I've not been able to check in on the game, but uh, the other night, he, he threw, he was throwing 98-99 on several pitches. And he, he's kind of frightening out there. He's, what, 6'7"? <laughs> he's a big guy. And uh, he, he was throwing gas the other night. So uh, it's a tough call. Uh, you know, Yeah, I'd be tempted. I'd be tempted to put him in the rotation, but I can understand the argument of keeping him in the back of the bullpen. Well, we spent the most of the first 20 minutes of the show talking about the Reds. I want to flip over to the Indians for a little bit. When we come back and talk about the Reds, we're going to talk a little bit about Billy Hamilton. But, Mark, the Indians went into Arizona on a hot streak. They had done a good job in Texas. They they won ball games with their hitting. They won ball games with their pitching. They were hot. They looked like the team that won the American League Championship a year ago. Then they go to Arizona, which, to be honest, Mark, I really don't want to get into interleague play, but for crying out loud, the second weekend of the season, or the first weekend of the season, the Indians are on the road on interleague play. It's it's hard to believe. I don't like interleague play as it is, and already the fourth game of the year, the Indians are playing the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the problem in Arizona for the Indians' bats were they went 4 of 26 with runners in scoring position. That's something I think you can expect early in the year, but it does it bring some sort of a, a fear to the Indians' front office as far as this team against a National League team going 4 for 26 with runners in scoring position over a series? Dave, I hate to tell you this, but I think it's all over for the Indians. I think they ought to start over, trade Lindor for for young prospects, and start over. I, I just don't think they've got it this year, and they had a mail it in. regimes would probably say you were right. <laughs> now, I think, you know what, uh, I know Indian fans are disappointed after that Arizona debacle, but uh, that's a very solid team. I mean, they're, they're going to be, I think they're odds on favor to win the division. And sometimes you run into a hot team. And that, that's going to happen to every team in baseball. So, yeah, you hate to get off to a, a start like that, but going into the night, they're 3-3. Three and three. Uh, They haven't been lit up, you know, by anybody. So it, it's going to happen. And, uh, you know, I think by the end of April, the Indians will have a winning record by the end of April, and uh, they'll, they'll, they'll go on from there. And, you know, they had some good pitching outings also. Uh, the worst pitching performance that they have had throughout the first six games, Mark, was uh, Josh Tomlin on Saturday, and he didn't even pitch all that badly. But Kluber, after a rocky start against Texas in the opening night, boy, he came back and really threw the ball well. Carrasco looked outstanding in the second game, and Salazar was even better in the third game of the season. So with that top three, and then you've got Bauer and Tomlin to back them up, like you said, and they've got Merritt down in the minor leagues ready to come up at a drop of a hat. I think this is a team that, boy, they they look ready to, to take off. And they're off tonight, but they open up tomorrow at home against the Chicago White Sox. That should be a pretty good game tomorrow. Well, again, I would not, if I was an Indian fan, I wouldn't worry about the Indians. Uh, you remember what they started? What was their record last year in April? Do you recall? Boy, I don't. They were. 
you know, they've concentrated under Francona getting off to a good start in April. And I remember last year they were a game or two under 500. That's what I thought, too. They, they get up to a good start, you know, kind of a weak start. But, uh, yeah, I don't think you've got anything to worry about with that pitching staff. I mean, the Reds are off to a 4-2 and two start. Uh, I would trade even up uh, the Indians' rotation, particularly for the Reds' rotation, and be very happy with it. And the thing about it is Michael Brantley, coming back from the shoulder injury, looks good. Yeah, the batting average is not there yet, Mark, but he the first two at-bats I saw him in Texas on opening night, he did not look very good, and then he got a base hit to right field. That seemed to open up the world for him, and now he appears to be playing loose, and he's swinging the bat well. He's not getting the hits. They're not dropping in yet, but if he continues to hit the ball like he has, you know the law of averages is going to catch up with him. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, everything we're talking about now, you know, it's so early in the season, you can't draw any conclusions about any one player or any team at this point. Uh, you know, Arizona, what, they, they five and one, uh, at this point, uh, something like that. I, I don't see Arizona being a contender in the Western Division this year. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you, if you're a team that's not supposed to contend, uh, these are giddy times, and for Reds fans to see this team coming together, as I said, better than last year, uh, it it's, gives you some enthusiasm to think, you know, maybe we're only a year or two away. Well, Arizona is 6-2 and two now. They've got the six best record in Major League Baseball. They've got the most wins. If you want to see what's happening, look at the topsy-turvy American League Central right now, Mark. Minnesota, whom both of us picked to finish in last place, is on top of the division at a five and one record. They're a game ahead of Detroit at four and two, and then come the Indians at at three and three. But the surprising team in the American League, Mark, you're going to love this one: the Los Angeles Angels. Mike Sosa's got that. that team hot. Well, that game yesterday was amazing. I don't know if you saw that uh, that that comeback they had, seven runs in the ninth inning. Uh, that was just amazing. They said it's been 854 games. Since the team lost uh, a seven-run lead, uh, you know, and and, and lost the game, yeah, blew a seven-run lead. So, <laughs> Ye- yesterday was the was bad news for teams that had big leads. I mean, the Cavaliers blew a twenty-six-point lead in the fourth quarter and ended up losing in overtime to Atlanta. How did that happen? I, I, that I don't know, and I don't want to talk about it. This is a baseball show. <laughs> 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 I want nothing to do want nothing to do with that one. Mark Yande Diaz. He would never have gotten an opportunity to make the Indians roster, let alone be their starting third baseman, had it not been for the injury to Jason Kipnis. Now I'm going to get into Kipnis here in a few minutes, but Yande Diaz is just doing an outstanding job both in the field and at the plate. And like we said during spring training there always seems to be a surprise, and every once in a while, you just need that one little break. Remember Lou Gehrig. He got the one little break and never gave up that first base position again. And Yande Diaz is making a claim to third base for the Indians. Well, that's the difference between a team like Cleveland and a team like Cincinnati, that you have so much depth in that organization and on that roster, you can lose a starter and have somebody like Diaz step into that role and perform at a very high level. And again, that makes, let's say he continues and he's hitting, you know, 330 at the all-star break. And what do you do? You know, you have a chance to then trade Kipnis for something that you might need down the road, some good young talent. I mean, that's how the game works now. You want you want the best player at the cheapest price. Well, and I don't Yandy know what Diaz, he, right now he's hitting only two seventeen. Okay. Okay. But he's played he's played outstanding ball. He's twenty five years old. He's come up with with big hits for the Indians when they've needed him uh, during this this first part of the season. I'm excited about the kid. Do I think he's going to be the answer? He's got five hits and twenty three at bats, one double. No home runs. He's got one RBI. But the fact of the matter is is that he hasn't done anything 
to prove that he doesn't belong in the major leagues. Kind of like, you know, what what the the Reds have looked at over several years at some of their youngsters. You know, one thing I didn't realize about the Reds is that they are the youngest team in Major League Baseball right now. Seven rookies on their roster. Yeah, and that includes uh, a 40-year-old starting pitcher who shouldn't be in the rotation. <laughs> Going to get back to that again, huh? Yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, but they're one of the youngest teams in, in Major League Baseball. But Kipnis, on the other hand, played a game in Akron yesterday with the Rubber Ducks and was the DH tonight, weather permitting, and I haven't seen anything about it as of yet, was going to play second base, and he's hoping to make it back to the to the Indians by the end of the month. Now, that being said, that's the Indians' star that is coming back on a rehab assignment. The red star that is coming back from a rehab assignment is Devin Mesoraco, and from what I understand, they're going to try to get him to catch an entire nine innings tonight, and after the last couple of years, Mark, of him doing that, that may be the biggest struggle he's going to have. Yeah, and I, I might question your your description of him as a star. You know, he's had one good year, and I'm not sure that's a, you know that makes you a star. Uh, it might, but he's got a lot of you know he's got to prove to a lot of people that he's not brittle, and it doesn't matter how much talent you have. And you know, we've talked about Robert Stevenson forever. And he's kind of, at this point, I, you know, you, you begin to lose faith. But Devin Mazzarocco had a, had the same kind of hype. And it took him three or four years to get into the groove. He had one great year. I think he had 24, 25 home runs. Uh, but then he's been hurt. And even even that year and the year before that year, the great year, he was hurt then too. And I, I, I don't recall a catcher for the Reds anyway. You may want know one for the Indians. Who has been that that prone to injury, and you know I don't know if, if it's the way he sets up behind the plate or what it is, but he has been hurt almost every year he has played, and I, I mean some serious injuries he's had. Well, and that and that's the problem that you and I have talked about for years is that I don't know how you can put this guy back behind the plate. He means so much to this team. As far as offensive output is concerned, nobody doubts the bat that he's got. It's the fact that he's so brittle and he's at a position that just continually beats him up. And from that standpoint alone, I've always felt that the Reds have got to do something to get him out of that position. But what do you do? You've got the left field that's already taken by Adam Duvall. You can't move him to first base because you've got Joey Votto but yet you appear to be in pretty good shape behind the plate with Tucker Barnhart. So what do you do with, with I'll tell you what, here's what you, you do. I'll tell you exactly what you do. You, you package him with Robert Stevenson and trade him to Cleveland for Lindor. For Lindor. Can we have a legitimate conversation tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I I gave you an answer. I mean, that's what you do with him. You package him and trade him away. Well, all right. So can you see any way? What scenario do you see right now where Mesoraco is the starting catcher for the Reds at the end of this year? Uh, I think there's a pretty good chance. I do. I think – and I don't, I don't question his ability to come back from these injuries and these surgeries he's had. I, I do question when you lay off baseball that long. Can you regain that magic from three years ago? And that's more to the point. He might be healthy, but if he's sitting 228 at the end of the year with three home runs and, you know, 15 RBIs, that who cares if you're healthy? Uh, he's going to have to perform, and that's what scares me about him. I, sitting out that long in, from baseball, that's a long time. Okay, so what is more likely – in your mind, Mesoraco being the Reds' starting catcher in September, Mesoraco being on the DL, or Mesoraco being in the lineup for another team other than the Reds? I think it's the latter, and I'll tell you why. 
Number one, you mentioned very accurately that Tucker Barnhart has played very well. He's a he's a very good defensive catcher. Uh, I think he drove in 55, 60 runs last year, and he's he handles the pitching staff well. And they've got two young catchers, actually three young catchers, a number one draft choice from two years ago, playing in the minor league. So the Reds are strong at the catcher position, young, young catchers. So if if Mezzarocco were to perform, you know, hitting-wise, but he's injured again, I would trade him. And not because I, I want him to go, but if he can't play in the National League because he can only catch, and if he only catches, he gets hurt, then trade him to the American League team, let him catch maybe part-time, but be a DH the rest of the time. You can get value for that if you're the Reds. Which do you see more likely, Mazzarocco being with another team or Votto being with another team? Well, that's that's a real good question. I think if the Reds were to continue what they're doing now, if they come out of – if they go into to the All-Star break and they're, they're two or three games behind, uh, they, have, they have a chance. I don't think they'll trade Votto. But if that, you know, if the team is being blown up again and, and they're they're 15 games out of first place at the All Star break, yeah, I, I think they might trade him. And I'm I'm going to be real anxious to see what happens with the Boston Red Sox and their first base situation there, because Boston can afford Joey Votto. Joey Votto could hit 400 in Fenway Park, and uh, you know he's still he's in great shape. He can play another seven or eight years. Will the Reds have to eat some of that contract? Yeah, most assuredly. But, you know, Ibada would fit really well into that, that Boston Red Sox lineup. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all that Ibada was gone. See, I could I could see the possibility of Joey Votto being traded if the Reds are assured that Mezzarocco could play first base and is over his injury situation. Yeah, that's a great that's a great thought. You know, that really is a very good thought. Uh, I will take credit for that thought tomorrow, but that that's a very good one. Yeah, you no, can move Mezzarocco to first. Yeah, you can yeah. move Mezzarocco to first and and uh, trade away Joey Votto. You know, a couple years ago, Mark, especially when Mark Shapiro was the president of the Indians, I was very disappointed in the Indians' front office. But now with the fact that Shapiro is gone, and he's Toronto's headache now. And you've moved Antonetti to the head of the head of the class, president of the club, as you may say. And Mike Chertoff is now the GM. I've got complete confidence in what the front office is doing for the Indians. On the other hand, you and I have been the biggest bashers of Walt Jockety since he became the GM, basically, of the Reds. But do you have the same feeling now that Jockety is gone and Dick Williams is in that GM spot that I, I do since they made the trades, since they made the no. change in the Indians? No, 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 I don't. Because it, it, it would be unfair to judge him in any way at this point. It's too early. Uh, you know, I, I think the Reds are an improving team, and the the, the moves they've made to get younger uh, have, I, I think, have been by and large good. The biggest screw-up is what, what they gave away Chapman for basically nothing. And, you know, now they have to, you know, build on what they have. But Jockety, I, I don't know why he was able to keep his job as long as he did. The last three years, the Cincinnati Reds lost more baseball games than any major league team. And that is, that's an incredible statement, but they, they lost more games. So arguably, over three years, the worst team in baseball. So the the bar is so low that if they win, you know, 77 games this year, 80 games this year, people are going to say, wow, we're really good. So it's it's going to be too early for Williams to be judged, even if they had a good year this year. It, it's it, the, the success or the value of a general manager is not judged on one year. It's judged over a five, six, seven-year period. And that's where I think the Indians have a chance to be a really, really good team for a long time with that roster, with the contracts they've had, the signing of some of the young players, the longer-term contracts. It, it looks good on paper. So, again, 
the jury's out on Williams, but I think the Indians are in pretty good shape. I have confidence by attrition. <laughs> I that that's why I have more confidence in Dick Williams than I haven't than I ever had in Walt Jockety. Anything is better than Walt Jockety as far as I'm concerned. That's the same way I felt with the fact that let's just let Toronto did Cleveland a favor taking Mark Shapiro. I was hoping Shapiro would become commissioner of baseball just to get him out of Cleveland. Remember when they were talking about that? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, Shapiro was up for the job with Rob Manfred. And when Manfred got it, I thought, oh, come on. And then Toronto came out of nowhere and wanted to hire him as pre- as president of the Blue Jays. Thank you, Toronto, for taking him up to the Sky Dome and getting him out of Cleveland. That's the greatest thing that has Second greatest thing that's ever happened to Cleveland since LeBron came back. That's the second greatest thing that's ever happened, Mark. And that's you why just I've like got it, more confidence in Dick Williams just by attrition. You just like it because you were able to get Encarnacion from Toronto. That too. Yeah, that too. And we almost had Batista. Do you know how close the Indians came to getting Juan Batista? Unbelievably Man, that close. Would a, that would have been a scary lineup. It's still a scary lineup. It, it, it is, you know, and, and hopefully tomorrow when they, they raise the American League. So I saw tonight, Mark, where the Cubs, boy, ESPN promoted this thing like you wouldn't believe, that they were going to be raising the flag in Chicago for the World Series championship and what a great night it was going to be at Wrigley Field and what's it doing there now? Raining. The game's in a rain delay. <laughs> they haven't been able to raise the flag as of yet. Yeah, one of my best friends was down here in Fort Myers with me this week, and he's an avid Cubs fan, and he, he lamented that he was going to be in an airplane back to Houston tonight and, and miss, uh, miss the pennant or the World Series flag raising, something he said he never thought he would see in his lifetime, but uh, at any rate, uh, you know, that's when you wait that long, what, 109 years? So that's, <laughs> it's a long time. I, I told him, you know, if he'd lived to be 171, he might see it again. That's true. Mark, Joe West is umpiring tonight's game. You would be shocked at how much weight this guy has lost. It's, it's almost, un- you almost can't really even tell it's him. He's well. umpiring third base tonight. Nonetheless, let, let's get back. Let's get back to baseball. I, I digress. How much more improved is the Reds' pitching staff than one year ago? Oh, light years! You don't forget that last year when the season started, all five starters were on the DL. I mean, that's that, that's how bad it was, and their bullpen was the worst, not only in Reds history but statistically. It was the second worst baseball baseball bullpen in the history of baseball. That's that's quite a statement. So they they gave up the, the thing that's amazing to me. They gave up. I, I think it was. I don't want to overstate this. Uh, they gave up 23 hits to the first batter they, they pitched to the bullpens in 23 consecutive games. They gave up hits to the first batter they faced. They led the league and led, again, more home runs out of the bullpen in the history of baseball, the second-highest ERA in the history of baseball. So your question, is the pitching going to be better or the starting rotation better? Absolutely. The bullpen is light years better because it couldn't be light years worse. It was that bad. You know, I think I think the Indians are probably, when <clears throat> Kipnis comes back from this shoulder injury, and I, I do believe he'll be back, and I think he'll probably be back around the middle of May. They're not going to do anything to rush him back like they tried to do with Michael Brantley a year ago, and it caused him to miss the entire season. So I think they're going to be very patient with Kipnis and his shoulder this season. But that being said, I have no doubts that they'll probably send Diaz back down to the minor leagues and move Ramirez back to third base. But that brings me to a question about the Reds. Is there a short leash on Shebler with Winker down in the minor leagues? Uh, I think a relatively short leash, uh, but those are two different players. And I, I don't know that Wink, Winker 
is going to be the guy who's going to come up and replace Shebler. I, I, I don't know that to be the case. Shebler's got some power. Winker doesn't. So depending on how your lineup is, is stacked, you, you're going to want that, you know, that power hitter in there most of the time. But, you know, Shebler can play center field as well. And I think it's more, does Winker replace Joe, uh, Billy Hamilton? I mean, Billy Hamilton is sitting, you know, close to 210 again this year, 220. And I hope, hopefully he'll regain what he did in the second half last year. But I could see, I, I still see the possibility that Billy Hamilton could become a fourth outfielder for a team. You know, come in late, steal a couple bases when you need it, play great defense. But Dave, you know, you can't have a forever 225 hitter in center field with three home runs and, and you know 28 RBIs for the year. That is not going to cut it. And that was those were his statistics in the first half of last year. He got off. He had a great second half, you know, a much better second half. But he only hit 260 last year. And he's frail. He's another guy who has been hurt every year he has come up. And so I, I I don't know that the the rule has been made that Billy Hamilton is your forever center fielder. If that's if that's all you can come up with as your best center fielder, you've got some problems with outfield depth. Well, you know when I looked at his stats, Mark, he, coming into tonight's game, I think now he's he's batting over two ninety because he came into tonight's game two eighty six. He's two for three. In tonight's game, but his his on base percentage is what I was going to talk about because it's just 304. That's just 20 points over what his batting average is, which tells me he's not walking a lot. Yeah, and again, it's only been a week. I mean, I, I put no stock in those kinds of of statistics in terms of batting average because you get a couple of leader hits and yeah, you raise your average 40 points. Let's wait till after you know the end of the month or getting into the middle of May. Uh, I, you know, again, everybody wants him to succeed, but people forget at, at the first half of the year last year, he was under 200 for a long time. And again, no power, a great defensive player. And he just may be, you know, he may morph into that specialty player where you're bringing him in for late defense, for, again, stealing a base when you need it into the game, uh, occasional start with the right pitcher out there. But he, David, it's so obvious when you see him play, good pitching overpowers him. It, it, they just physically overpower him. He doesn't have the strength. Uh, now, he, he's, he's gotten better on the breaking ball. He has cut down on his strikeouts percentage-wise, but I don't see him being a 280, 290 hitter that, you know, you put in center field, he might pop you 10, 12 home runs. That's never going to be joy, be Billy Hamilton. So my question to you, if you're the manager of the Reds, do you want a center fielder, center fielder hitting 240, 245, with a 320 on base percentage, four home runs for the year, and maybe 40 RBIs? What would you do? Um, with his, with his speed and his defense, I'd keep him right where he is. Okay. With a, with a, with an over 300 on base percentage. Yeah, I'd, I'd be pleased with that because, you know, I heard an interesting interesting uh, debate over the last few years, few weeks. Is he one of the most exciting players in baseball today? Well, to me, Billy Hamilton is a luxury to have on your team like Chapman was. If you're, if you're not winning – you can't afford to have a guy hitting that low, that low on-base percentage in, in your lineup. I'd, I'd rather develop young, you know, five-tool talent that in two or three years can come up and play center field and hit 25, 30 home runs and, and still have decent speed, decent defense. Uh, I don't know, and again, the jury's out on this, and you may be right. Maybe the right decision is to keep him there. But statistically, I look at that and say, how can you have that hole in your lineup? Because he simply doesn't, he doesn't produce enough runs. Now he steals, he steals a lot of bases, but when you're a losing team, when you're going to lose close to 100 games a year, so what? 
I mean, stealing a base here and there isn't going to produce the kind of offense that you need. And so I, I just don't think – I think he's too limited as a player unless you're playing for, you know, a, a team like the Big Red Machine where, yeah, he, he could have fit in because you've got so much power around you. But center field is a, is a very important position, and I don't think he delivers the offense that the Reds need. By the way, Scooter Jeanette just hit another home run. He, <laughs> that's his third home run of the year. He's, and now the Reds are leading the Pirates 7-1 to one in this game. And Cody Reed is in for his second inning of relief work. And he he retired the Pirates 1-2-3 in the seventh. And he's going up against Polanco right now uh, to lead off the eighth inning. So, you know, it's pretty easy to manage when you've got guys coming out of the bullpen and being able to be successful, isn't it, Mark? Oh, the bullpen is the most important. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it's so important psychologically because so many times last year the Reds had leads in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, and good leads, you know, five to one, four to, four to two, six to three, and they would lose the game. It just tears your guts out to lose a game like that. And that's what was happening almost every time a reliever came in last year. And it was it was laughable. It was just absolutely laughable what they did. Well, the Indians and the Reds are going to be playing on May 22nd and 23rd in Cincinnati. That's a Monday, Tuesday. And then they'll hop on a plane, probably. I don't think they're going to take a bus the five-hour trip to Cleveland. And they'll be playing in Cleveland on the following Wednesday and Thursday night, and you and I have discussed this ad nauseum over the past few years, Mark. It's just a shame that these two teams don't play on weekends. Just a shame. Yeah. I mean, it would give uh, yeah, I don't get it. Now, I don't want to give away any secrets, Dave, but I have to give you credit for a really good idea, and you might want to tell our millions of listeners what you have in mind when the Indians visit uh, the Reds. Well, let's not let's not jump the gun. Let's just say that we'll, we may be broadcasting live from somewhere near or inside Great American Ballpark on that Monday night when the Indians and the Reds are are playing. So we'll we'll just say that and leave it at that for right now. What There's a, a lot of things that we've got coming up on Ohio Baseball Weekly for our seventh year. That is really we've got some exciting things coming up this year. Mark, remember Otis Nixon? Sure. They found him miss. Well, they didn't find him missing. He was missing for the last couple of days, and finally found him over the just earlier this morning. Uh, he missed. <laughs> it, this sounds funny, but what got them alarmed was he missed a seven thirty Sunday morning tea time at the golf course, <laughs> and they said he never misses a tea time. And for two days, Mark. They couldn't find Otis Nixon. They finally found him this morning. He's okay. But, you know, he was a ball player, Mark, that, you know, always had, there was always the the drug thing that followed him. And I think they're kind of worried that maybe he had a relapse over the last couple of days. I'm just happy that he's he's okay. You know, he, he played a long time, not only with the Indians, but with the Braves. Well, you know, he's a, he was a kind of a, a Billy Hamilton clone. Or Billy exactly. Hamilton was a clone of him. Uh, Otis Nixon was with the right right club, although Kansas City never did much when he was there. But they had some pretty good teams. I mean, and he was he was a cog in that in that lineup because they had uh, a lot of power in that on that team, and he fit in well. But it, it's interesting you bring him up because we were just talking about Billy Hamilton, and I see a lot of similarities with those two guys. Yeah, that was the reason that I. I wanted to talk about this, you know. Uh, another one, here's, is Josh Hamilton ever going to make it back? No, I don't know. What Talk about a tragic story. I mean, can you think of even five guys that were as talented physically as, as that guy was when he was a kid, when he was, you know, 19, 20 years old? No. Jeez, I mean, he had, I, I mean, he was Mickey Mantle-ish. That, that's how good he was. Uh, incredible power. I, I saw I saw a, a game. He had three home runs in the game. I think he was playing uh, in minor league ball. And he caught a ball on the warning track right in front of the 404 mark and threw a strike to home plate on the, on the fly. I, I had never seen anything like it in my life. 
It's probably on YouTube somewhere. But that guy, he obviously hurt his body badly with all the drugs he was on. And and I, I can't think of anybody who was who was given more God given talent than, than that guy. And it's 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 sad. I mean he's had a decent career, he's made some money. But he, he could have been a Hall of Famer. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, he just keeps having the, the knee injuries that come up for him, and it's just not a good thing. By the way, Cody Regis threw his second consecutive 1-2-3 inning in relief, and the Reds are going into the ninth inning, leading 7-1 to over the Pirates. And the, the Indians have the night off, by the way. That's why we're not talking about an Indians game here this evening. They're opening up tomorrow at home against the Chicago White Sox. But the rest of this week for the Reds, Mark, it, it should be a pretty good one because not only do they have a couple of more games in Pittsburgh, but then they've got a four-game set coming up with the Milwaukee Brewers. So it may not yeah. be so much out of the realm of possibility that you brought up earlier. They could be 7-2, and 8-3 and three by the time they come around to another start for Arroyo. Yeah, uh, that's, that's why I wonder why do they start him. But, uh, the, again, the, the young pitching is getting a chance. Uh, Cody Reed had a, had a tough start, not, not start, but uh, he had a, a tough day the other day. He, he walked two guys, the first two guys in the first two innings he pitched, wriggled out of it, uh, and hopefully he gained some confidence from that. And this this is a good building block for him, two scoreless innings tonight. I don't know if they're going to let him pitch the ninth or not. But uh, that, that, well, that's they've got good Iglesias here. warming up in the bullpen. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. Um, here, here's another thing, Mark, that I heard some discussion on. You know, the, the Reds opened up the season at home last Monday, and then Tuesday was an off day. Most teams they schedule it that way, just in case opening day gets rained out. But now, for the next consecutive 20 days, the Reds are going to be playing. Is that good for a team like this, as young as it is, to play that many days consecutively? Does it matter? I don't think it matters. If anything, the Reds are so young. Uh, they have so many young guys out there that playing 20 days in a row is no big deal. It probably helps them where it might hurt a more veteran team to play that many games out of the out of the shoot. Uh, but, you know, the Reds are winning right now. Uh, I don't know what Joey Votto has done tonight, but he's not even begun to hit yet. He's still hitting around 220. And uh, but they're getting great pitching. That's that's the thing that surprises me. But remember, I said last week, the first time around with these young pitchers, they are going to have the advantage over hitters. And it's what's going to be happening the second and third time around when these teams face the, these young pitchers. That'll be the true test. So yeah, I'm excited about it. All Reds fans should be. This is great, the way it's starting off. But you wait until the second or third start before you start jumping up and down and saying, you know, we're the team to beat. Because these these major league hitters are pretty darn good, and they'll figure out these pitchers. Well, success breeds success. And Billy Hamilton, by the way, is now three for five in the ball game. He's got three base hits in tonight's game. And, you know, the funny thing about it is, Mark, his batting average now is 320. Well, I, I hope it's 320 in, in May and June because that means he's improved a great deal as a hitter. I don't see it. I hope I'm wrong. This is one of those things I'd love to have a guy play the kind of defense he plays and run the bases the way he does and hit 300 and have a 360 or 370 on base percentage. Then you've got an all-star player. He's just not shown that yet over the long haul. As far as the Indians are concerned, not only do they open up tomorrow night at 4 o'clock at home against the White Sox, they've got two more games against the White Sox on Wednesday and Thursday. And, Mark, it's interesting because the Indians are going to try something new this year. They are actually going to come in and start some games that at 6 o'clock. Instead of going at 7 o'clock, they're going to start some games at 6 o'clock, and these two games that they're doing against the White Sox on Wednesday and Thursday, that's when they're going to start them is at 6-10. And then what, the rest of the, the week. What's the thinking behind that? Well, I think I they wanted to, because it's early in the season, they think it's colder at night. 
Okay. So they're trying to get the games in before before nighttime. They're also hoping that the the kids can come if it's a little earlier. They're trying to catch the the crowd coming to the ball game before they leave the city from work. It, it was just a, it was a lot of things. I don't think it's that bad of an idea. No, I don't either. I, I you know what do you got to lose? I mean, I think it's yeah. a good it's a it's a and, good thought and, and and they're only doing it during during weeknight games. They're not doing it. Uh, during the weekend, because the, for example, this weekend the Tigers are coming to town, and it's going back to a seven ten start on Friday night, and then they play at four ten on Saturday afternoon at one ten on Sunday afternoon. So let's see where the Reds and the Indians are after this week, Mark. Uh, I yet yeah, I want to apologize to our listeners out there because of my geographic situation. I hope uh, they could hear on the cell phone. And uh, this is not our normal way of broadcasting, but uh, uh, it's good to be back, and I'm glad baseball's back. So uh, I hope the Indians and Reds have a great week. Absolutely, and we'll uh, talk about it more next Monday night, Mark. Have a good one, Have a safe trip coming home. All right, thank you. That's going to do it for us here this evening on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Glad to have you along here tonight. Don't forget, we'll be back again next Monday night. And that will be at 9 o'clock as the Indians and the Reds will see what happens on week two of the Major League Baseball season. That's going to do it again, as we said. Next Monday night at 9 o'clock, we'll be back. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Hope you enjoyed tonight's show, and have a good night, everybody.